Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number six. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And Jordan Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hello. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. In the meantime, the idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. Before we get into this week's episode topic, let's do a quick rundown of what everyone's working on. So, Joey, do you want to take us away? Okay, sure. Um, I am currently trying to finish off a wardrobe that is kind of, I guess it's a Victorian style, it's just like a classic paneled wardrobe. Probably anyone who's seen me do one of these before, it's, it's the same kind of thing, really too big. And um, so I have to deliver that on the 8th of January and it's pretty much finished. I've got to do some painting this week, um, but I need to figure out a way to get it all in the van and one trip It's got to go into this middle of the Auckland city and I don't want to do two trips from where I am. I'm an hour away. So I'm going to try and build some wooden roof racks for my van so I can get one of the pieces of it on the top, get two of the large bits inside, and then get all the drawers and everything kind of tucked away inside the wardrobe um, and you know, try and make it fit all on my van or in it in one go. So that'll be interesting. A quick question about that. At, at what point do you invest in like a trailer or something because if, uh, for those of you who haven't seen um joey's latest, latest video with the outdoor sofa i commented on the video when you see him putting mm. it in it's like it just made it into the van i mean isn't yeah. surely if you're making stuff that big you need something bigger so my van in the back is 2.9 long and all oh, right so that's 1.3 tall 1.3 wide um that's just a particularly huge sofa um so that was two trips and that they're only 15 minutes away that job so i was mm. that's fine i have a trailer started out with a trailer it's just that my van doesn't have a tow bar and it's so long as it is that i couldn't park anywhere anyway like with yeah it's impossible to have i'd be like more than six meters long and it's just getting ridiculous so um the van has fitted everything in it i need to up to this point so <laughs> Um, and it has um, mounting point, mounting bolts in the roof. So I'm uh, just going to take those kind of placeholder mounting bolts out and see what I can make fit temporarily. And if it works, then I'll just use them temporarily when I need them. So, um, yeah, um, I'm digging a big hole under my house as well for a shed. I'm doing a lot of digging. That's not much fun. <laughs> That's about it. Good stuff. Do you... Uh, just on the delivery thing, do yep. you have in your area a truck rental area? Because I found for me, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate because I have a truck license as well, so it doesn't yeah. matter about size. Yeah. But um, I find that if it doesn't fit in mine, it's cheap. It's like 120 yeah. bucks to just hire it for half a day. So it's all in one can, go. Yeah, I've done it before. can do it. Um, it's I have to backtrack for the, dropping it back off, which oh, is a bit yeah. annoying. Yeah. Tracking about half an hour. Um, so it's kind of like uh, so it's not like it's just next door it is actually uh, a bit of a trip and actually yeah. I found that they tend to rent their truck out this particular place has got three trucks or they used to and they tend to rent them out weekly to people who just can't be bothered buying their own truck yeah so um, they're never available like yeah so it's a, quite annoying yeah right um, for me what have I been working on uh, still still on break so not really much going on I did come in to do some uh, Christmas gifts, just laser cut stuff, but I blew up that laser, so that didn't really go all that well. Uh, <laughs> it's such a dramatic thing to say, I blew up a laser. You sound like yeah. an evil henchman. Well, you know, I am. <laughs> Next step is world domination. Uh, but, <laughs> but no, really, I've I've been actually enjoying some time off. I've been doing nothing. It's been great. What about you, Rob? Well, yeah, I did a lot of that as well, being um, – Christmas. I think I think it's good though. I think you need to just take a break just to sort of reset. Uh, but I mean that may be a personal thing. 
Um, so I've been working on a dining room table. This is going to be my dining room table. Mm-hmm. We talked about it last week. Uh, both you guys suggested I just throw the the painted timber through the thickness planer behind me, and I ended up doing that. And it, yeah, I'm pretty glad I did. The whole the so, sort of something I didn't think about while we were talking uh, was that even if I did sand the boards first, I'm still going to then have to thickness them later. So right. yeah, it was just one extra step for no reason. So. Everything's gone through the thicknesser, and you can see behind me over on my other shoulder, I've started gluing cool. them up. So this is this is the biggest glue up that I've done. It's so the lengths are 1.8 meters long. You know, I've normally only done coffee table size glue ups at this stage. So it's 900 wide, 1.8 long. So it's it's presenting some challenges for me, but we're get, well, I'm getting through it. Um, you know and on top the, of that, sorry, yeah. Do you know what the timber is yet? So I'm, I'm going to talk about this in the actual okay. video when I release it. The This all came off one panel, yeah. but there's all different types. Oh, so you've, yeah, got, right. you've got real red stuff, some browns. Uh, there's a couple of pieces where you can see what I think is the sapwood. So it's, it's red with these brown strips. Um, I, don't, I don't know enough about the timber here in Australia yet to really comment on exactly what it is, but – all of the different, there's, there's 13 different boards. They're all slightly different. So right. it's cut. It's kind of like, it's just going to, that's what the table's going to look like. You've just got mm-hmm. to appreciate the fact that yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's different pieces cool. of, of wood. but what is cool about it is I'm not having to worry so much about the glue line now Yeah, because right. you're, you're never going to disguise it. So it's yeah. kind of been a bit of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I've got half of it glued up. I'm going to do it in, I'm going to make panels First, as you can see behind me, that's three boards. Glue up panels and then glue the panels together just because mm-hmm. I don't have clamps long enough yet. Yep. And then on top of that, I'm working on a sponsored build. A company sent me these concrete molds. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do is sort of showcase the product off in the video. You know, this is what you can do with these molds. It's for making those sort of geometric um, vases, planters, those kind of mm-hmm. things. But then what I want to try and do is get into a bit of casting. I've, I've never tried casting before. So this is going to be this sort of an, uh, a, a mm. foray into casting. So as soon as the, the concrete is set, which I'm waiting for now, I'll get on to the, the interesting bit, which is going to be the, yeah. the resin casting. So, yeah, cool. that's that's it for me. Oh, so it's a, a resin cast, is it? Yeah, well, right. you know, they are designed for concrete. So, yeah. so, no, yeah, sorry, so I just... I just put together casting, like slip casting with a, with a plaster or something. But no, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've so, just got yeah. silicon molds, yeah? Yeah. So they said, yeah, they're from, they're from China. They are uh, yeah. food grade silicon molds, pretty hardy things. I didn't realize that. They were going to be so solid. And then, yeah, it's, you just dump the thing full of, I'm using mortar in my case because the mm-hmm. cavity is too small for concrete. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's pretty standard. It's just, as I say, I don't normally take um, sponsored yeah. uh, sponsorships on very often these days just because, and we've talked about this before, it's a bit of a, you kind of have one group of people who are okay with it and you have another group of people who just hate mm-hmm. sponsored videos. So the only time I'm ever going to do it is if it's a real benefit to me. And this is a, a, a project that I've been wanting to do for ages. So yeah, taking it on was, a, yeah, it was a bit of a win-win for me. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what I went on to. All right, so we've got a lot to talk about tonight, um, so right. let's get into it. This week's topic came from Joey. It's We're basically going to talk about what's coming up in 2018 and, and what we can look forward to. And then we also wanted to, to dedicate this episode a little bit more to asking questions um, from people through social media. So I've got a couple of questions from people um, that I've received over the last couple of days. So let's start off with ourselves what we've got coming up for 2018 joey do you want to do you want to start us off what i guess we yeah. can do is we, we'll just go through a couple of things and then move from person to person yeah maybe we should just go around and do one each or something until yeah. we get to okay. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so i guess i'll start uh what have i got a big change for me coming up this year we've actually just started the, in the last month um i'm going to start and this sounds, this sounds like I should have been doing this forever. Um, I'm going to build. Yeah, I'm going to start <laughs> making them pay me money. Um, I'm going to start um, putting uh, money aside for four weeks worth of 
holidays. Um, not wages, but paying my overheads. So I've spread out four weeks worth of overhead costs over the rest of the year. So my, my weekly overheads are now going to go up a bit. Um, but at least that means for, especially this time of year, summer, I can kind of go through a little bit stress, uh, less with less stress, um, by not having to worry about paying for the power bill and stuff, mm. uh, out of some money that came from somewhere. <laughs> Cause I don't have a lot of work on right now because everyone's pre-Christmas and then there's a big dry spell. Um, and, um, you know, no one's really working at the moment. So you've got to pay the bills from something. So, yeah. So is that then to give yourself a break or is it just so that you have a bit uh, set aside for the slow time? Mainly to give me the opportunity to save up my profit. So if I want to go on holiday, I can do that and mm. know that there's money in the bank to keep um, things running. So in theory, I could say take off two weeks in March and have my employees still work. Um, I can still pay for whatever it is I need to pay that week while I'm away. And I personally can have some time off. Um, that's the goal. That's, <laughs> we'll see how it works. That's something that I, I don't do either, but really should start. I didn't even think about it. But even mm -hmm. for little things, like say for my case is get an injury and you can't work. That's and right. now I've got no money coming in. So I'm relying on, well, profit, mm. but, which isn't a huge amount left in the bank now. That's right. so, yeah, it's a good thing just to have a safety net, have options yeah. to explore as well. So and and especially at the moment. So for example, um, the jobs everyone may have seen the um, outdoor tables uh, sofa I made recently. So that was a big rush pre-Christmas job. Um, I just really struggled to get my final payment from that person, and um, so I did had pretty much no money from that job or the one previous until today I got paid. So I went through two weeks leading up to Christmas at Christmas without being paid. So, mm. you know, having a bit of extra money, even though it's not meant for that, um, would have been nice to have it sitting there. We could dip into it and then pay it back. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I'm going to actually write it down. Ooh <laughs> hey. Something that I was, um, that I want to focus on for 2018 and this comes um, comes back to something that you said a while ago, uh, Joey, is trying to focus on concurrent projects, not necessarily um, commission projects, but just, you know, for YouTube, that kind of thing. I'm in this terrible habit of starting a new project and then that encompasses everything because mm. of things like I don't want to start filming a new project because then that's, you know, there's file management stuff that I've got to think about. And a couple of weeks ago, you talked about how you were really trying to improve on that and since that I've been thinking about it and it's I you know if if I want to make this more of a full-time thing where I'm doing YouTube and making furniture I'm going to have to do mm. concurrent projects mm. and you know my shop at the moment I've just got stuff everywhere because I'm now trying to do more than one thing at a time yeah. and it's, yeah. it's very quickly becoming not I, I think overwhelming it's a bit melodramatic but I'm yeah, suddenly yeah. out of my comfort zone I don't like mm. this I've got stuff where I'm constantly moving things around so yeah, 2018. I needed. I really want to try and work on improving that flow, um, mm. and just being more open to the idea of, yeah, um, keeping keeping myself yeah. busy at all time. There's no downtime. Mm -hmm. So what you said is two completely different things. Is working on two jobs or more at once is one skill, and filming two videos at once or three videos uh, is completely different. Mm. Uh, recently or uh, maybe about a month ago I had was filming four projects at once and uh, the way I do it is crazy but it's the only way that makes sense to me I've got a really large um, what do you call it um, uh, you know disc in my camera um, and I just film everything I don't change um, SD cards I don't I just film it and then when I put it onto my computer I copy and paste or cut and paste the clips that are for each of those. I could just see what the clip is. I know what project is for, put that into their files. Um, yeah, but 
I start, I actually was really apprehensive about filming more than one thing at a time because it's quite hard to keep both um, uh, storylines going in your head. Like where was I? What was the last shot on that project? And where am I on this project? So that's, that's quite a different thing. And even writing something down is probably helpful. <laughs> um, with this dining table that I'm, I'm doing at the moment, I'm filming it and I've just decided that's it. I'm, I'm narrating the, the story later. Right, because, yes. And that's, that's unfortunately one of the byproducts of that is if you want to be in front of the camera and really get into it, then it's, then it's even more difficult to try and separate yourself. Now, at some point, I do believe you've got to be able to do that. If you, you know, obviously you guys are making your income via furniture. I'm yeah. trying to, at this stage, mix it up between, you know, the furniture making and YouTube. I mean, that is something that I really want to pursue. So if I'm going to be doing YouTube full time, I've, I've got to work it out but yeah mm. it's amazing how in this this project i've just gone nope that's it can't do it can't do it i'm going back to narrating it's just too, too difficult but well, yeah i've got to work it out. that's why i do very few pieces to camera during um projects i've only done a handful of them what editing software do you guys use because for me i use premiere pro so i i'm like you joe i just shoot everything and then when i'm capturing that footage i sort it out but in final oh, sorry in premiere i sort it into bins so it's yeah. like these clips are for bin one which would be yeah dining table these clips are for two which is coffee table blah 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 and that yeah, that's worked I, for me yeah i can do essentially that i have very cheap awful editing software but all i need to do is cut and speed up and change the coloring a little bit like yeah. I, need, I need like four tools um and so my software is like 60 bucks to get the watermark taken off it. And that's it. And um, you, yes, you yeah. add a bit of a, a vignette to your footage as well, don't you? Or some yeah, kind of yeah, focus depends. thing. Yeah, sometimes I do um, tilt shift. Yeah, that's I'm the trying one. to yeah, uh, highlight a particular, if I have a, like a wide shot and you just see my messy workshop and I just want you to see like one part. So I'll just like, tilt shift everything else out of focus and um, highlight secret. one part. Secrets out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I won't tell you my other lighting secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, George, how about you? Uh, let's say probably the biggest goal, which is at, like, the forefront of my mind, that, that could be the way to say it, is something we touched on last week, which is that product or a service that you're offering. And this year I really want to kind of, try and drive the product more than the server. So mm. I want to have a line of a couple of designs and be displaying at least three to four galleries by the end of the year and be relying on people coming to me for me instead of people coming to me for a service that mm. they want. Obviously, I still am wanting to do commissions and all of that because that's good fun and you, that's where you make your money as a business. But... I think uh, if I can have kind of a line of furniture this year, it will just take a whole lot of stresses off my shoulder as far as um, finding the next client, finding the next bit of work, and just make my kind of the next progression of my business anyway. Because this year has been my best year to date as far as, you know, money-wise. But obviously, it's also been a pretty rough year yeah. as far as scheduling and energy and all of that sort of stuff. So. Just a little bit of a reshuffle, nothing too major. Um, but I think it's an important important step for me anyway in the right direction. So your, if I get this right, um, part of your plan then is to have, say, a coffee table yep. that is fairly popular and you might have a standing order for that. Yeah, so and you might be making two of them a month as a standing order, and you, you know you can just smash them out in a couple of days. Yeah, with any um, luck, it will be all standing order sort of thing, and then everything's just templated, sitting yeah. on the shelf. And if an order comes in for a custom size, it's easy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, have have that design down pat. So all I have to do is come in, machine machine the timber to be whatever thickness yeah. it needs, glue it together, do the joinery, finish yeah. it. And yep. out it goes. Um, yes, and good plan, I'll, right? I'll, 
Yeah, and and part of that would be that it's in either some uh, furniture galleries or wineries or mm. you know wherever it uh, turns out to be. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just out there. No money exchanges hands until it's sold sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's, for me anyway, it's got to be the way to do it mm-hmm. instead of focusing on finding the next crappy client. I, I actually, I've been coming around to, my, I was very against that approach and I've been slowly coming around to that being more, uh, or less stressful at least at the very least mm-hmm. um, it's got to be a less stressful way to to do what we do I think I think it's also in terms of workshop like if you're if you know you're doing these four designs all the time you set it up so it's for that like mm-hmm. right now I have to have a really broad range of things set up at any time just to accom- accommodate any design that comes through the, through the door mm-hmm. but if I'm only making four or five designs and that's my main income, I can condense that to a small section of the shop. Yeah, right. And, you know, the workflow is then really streamlined. That was my next point was, do you think you're going to get bored? Or oh, do you think yeah. having your setup specialized will uh, infringe on you being able to take on more specialized things? I think... And it's zero activity then at that stage as well. Well, not zero, but, you know, it's like I think it will definitely get boring, but it will come on to the next point that it will hopefully afford me the chance to get like a shop helper like you have. So it's actually something I can pawn off to someone and they're taking Mm -hmm. care of it. It's my name on the thing, but really, you know, this guy's working for a salary. He's making it all. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So the end goal is it will give me actually more freedom. Mm -hmm. And, And creative time. Exactly. So it's actually, this is my line of furniture. This, you know, like any Danks, yeah. I mean, not to say names, but any furniture manufacturer, they have their lines and then they also have their custom lines. So in the long run, it will give me more freedom, but in the short run, yes, I will get probably a little bit more bored. Right. Cool. Yeah. Joey? Uh, okay. Next one. So funnily enough, similar lines to what Jordan just said. Um, I don't at this point have any ambitions of making a line of anything, but after doing the set of outdoor furniture, I just did. It was very easy to put together and apparently it's very popular. Um, so, so I was talking to my wife about the furniture and, and we happened to need a outdoor table at, at the new house and it came up suddenly with this, crazy concept and I went straight to Google couldn't find anything like it as far as I know it's completely original um, you never know you can't really say that these days because everything's been made but nothing's original um, anymore yeah no I feel like I've designed something ridiculously original and completely impractical for a lot of people but one is going to make an awesome video Two is going to fit what I need perfectly, uh, and three, I believe there would be a, uh, a good market for it, if not in my local area. Uh, there would certainly be a market. <laughs> the just constantly, man. I need to find out what this is. <laughs> There'd be a market for it uh, for the plans, at least. I think. Um, so I've actually spent a lot of time designing this table and. Um, I'm going to try and make it. I cost it out what it's going to cost me. I need to save up a little bit of money to buy some timber for it. And uh, at some point early this year, I would like to crack into that. And and so that got me thinking about, because I have the advantage of having a, a workshop assistant, maybe taking on some less complicated work, some more cabinetry type things, and letting my workshop assistant take care of the easier stuff and then it gives me a bit more freedom to work on some more creative jobs that I don't necessarily have clients for, but will recoup some money in other ways based on the design and um, kind of feedback from social media and things like that. So that is something I'm seriously thinking about. I guess what I'm trying to say is more, more content on the more content side of it rather than just as a furniture making business. 
Mm. Of course, commissions always come in and they get in the way of things. Um, but um, that's kind of yeah, a goal that I'm, yeah, looking at seriously. Yeah, well, your we've talked about this before. Your channel is doing well enough that I, yeah, it to me personally, it seems like such a golden ticket, and it will come back into the business eventually as well because of that that promotional stuff, that marketing, that that organic marketing that you're getting from social media and and YouTube. So if, yeah, I reckon mm-hmm. you should definitely be putting a little bit more time, not not more time as in you aren't putting in enough, but you've got it there, you know, run with it before it dies out. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I've been thinking. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so I had, my next point is, is very similar to that. Um, something that I need to maybe not change, but I need to keep an eye on is chasing. I have a bad habit of, of chasing uh, not, not trends, but like I'll be, in in regards to the way I make videos, I'll be making a certain type of video and then I see someone else doing something else. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I'm going to do that. And then I see something else. I'm going to do that. And I never really get my style refined. I'm constantly chopping and changing between things. And it was back in, uh, what are we now, 2017? In 2000, last year, 2016, I changed my style of of my videos dramatically. And... I saw a bit of a, a, an interesting change in my, my metrics and it was, you know, I did it because I wanted to. And now I find myself coming back to how I was originally making videos. So this year I want to try and make sure that I'm making videos that I want to make that um, is, is my style and I'm not constantly changing, going for the next big thing or, you know, adjusting. Because I think you need to do that, but I think at the same time you also need to just go with the thing and stick with a, a style and, and and make it your own. I can vouch for that. Like mm. you have to you have to do what's right for you, but also people are coming to you because they like what you're you're producing. And take my my case is that I've had very good growth, you know, two to four thousand new subscribers a month and all of that. And then I really changed it just on a dime. And that's just plummeted, just way down, which yeah. is not not a huge issue. Like I don't rely on it, um, but having that that distinct style is something I think is incredibly important for YouTube. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily need to. I th- I, th- I think, and this I guess goes for for anyone out there who's listening who's into YouTube and and trying to do it on YouTube. You don't have to say, right, I'm going to make a video and this is going to be my style. It's completely separate to everyone else. Oh, no. You've just got to do something that that fits with you. So even if it seems the same as everyone else, it will be naturally different because you're a different person. So, it's yeah, it's just about finding that style and sticking with it because that's the best representation of you without just, yeah, just changing yeah. it up for... Obviously, it will evolve. Like everything evolves with you, but you just don't need to... You know, oh look, the next thing is twerking. You don't need to then start a twerking video on your bloody on your woodworking channel, do you? <laughs> Let's yeah. hope not. I mean, that's my plan for next year. Is it's just twerking twenty? Start twerking. Imagine you standing next to the table saw shaking your ass. Uh, uh, that's yeah. so going to happen. Oh god, um, uh, that's Christmas video uh, next year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was. Um, Bob Claggett in the the most recent um, yeah, I was just making yeah he was sort of saying that that growth needs to happen but in his mind it happens slowly so that mm. people don't aren't you know they're not shocked by it they're not affronted by it but well, if you just, go back and look at his old ones yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say go back and look at my like ten videos ago it'd be so different than my last video I just put out and yeah. then the ten before that won't really even be watchable but you know it's just the growth is happening in every video. And after listening to what Bob said, he said he, he wanted to um, make some tiny small change in every video that you might not even notice, but he knows it's there. Mm. And I've been doing that without knowing it. Like subconsciously, I'll just be trying new things all the time. And now that he said it, I really put it into my head that, oh yeah, I kind of I actually do that. I really am trying different things, um, whether on camera or not. I'm doing something different all the time. Mm. Mm. 
yeah, so that's that's going to be a big thing for me next year is just just st- staying the course, doing what I do and believing that, you know, in, in regards to YouTube, my time will come around eventually. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that is very uh, poignant to my next sort of thing I've got written down here, which is my my focus of YouTube is adjusting a little bit. So I want to be putting in more quality over quantity uh, because I I feel not that I wasn't putting effort in or wasn't really putting all in like you know, but I just feel like I could be a lot further along with uh, production style, with how I'm shooting things, with what I'm actually putting out there as well. So this year I kind of want to get back to where I was about two years ago when. YouTube was as as much of a part of my business as the actual business itself was. Mm. So while it's not going to play into creating, you know, five of the same thing every every time, it will play into the extra little bit of freedom. Um, I my last table, uh, my last video, which is the outdoor table, is a big step in the direction of where I want to kind of come back to. So it's more narrated. Um, it's more artistically shot mm. and also it gives it's giving enough information for you know what I'm doing here and why I'm doing it but it's not a tutorial which is going to mm. take 45 minutes it's still a, an enjoyable kind of eight to ten minute length um, but yeah I mean you know you YouTube that's that's what I'm trying to say okay <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. Should we do? Let's see how um, we go for time. But let's do one more. Um, um, have I got anything else? If I not, think I've, actually, I've, I've written down a bunch of points, but I've actually pretty much melded them all two points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Efficient. Yeah. Okay. So I only got one more point, but it's a very uh, it's a personal thing because I am a compulsive spender of money. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I. I just, no, I don't need to do this. I'll buy this. Uh, so a big goal for next year is to spend less money. Even though everything I'm spending is on the business, it's like, I don't need this. Um, I don't need these five slabs just because they're cheap. I don't need this dovetailer just because it's there. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, so Nick, that's like, I'm going to be more conscious with how I'm spending my money and how I'm distributing it. But, you know, that's just a, that's a thing that everyone does. They want toys, yeah. we buy them. That's all right. Yeah, I've just put myself a new camera um, on, on, on the business. Yeah. Quotation marks. Um, but it's the new, well, it's, it's quite an old camera now, but it's new compared to my Canon 60D. Mm-hmm. It's the Sony A6300. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's amazing when you don't buy a piece of tech for a long time. Three years, not even, and that's the thing, not even a long time, three well, years. That, that's a long time. You buy the next thing and you're like, wow, <laughs> I've been missing out. The world has evolved. I am, you know, yeah. Neanderthal compared to everyone. Sony um, is kicking butt as well in camera world. Like their new AX7 or whatever it is, it's amazing. But it also costs four grand, so, yeah. Well, and, and that's where this, the, the A63 and 6500 are quite good as they sort of, they're the cheaper version of those. Um, so for me, it was between the Panasonic G85 and mm-hmm. the 6300. And yeah, everything that I've read just said in regards to picture, Sony just takes the cake every time. Yeah. So it's uh, it's been a bit of a learning curve because there's so much more to it than, I mean, there's probably not, but it's just because it's a completely different system to Canon. Yeah. But yeah, I'm hoping to have a video out with that in a couple of weeks. Is- but I'm going to have is that one a DSLR or a mirrorless or an actual video? Camera? So it's a mirrorless. Yeah. It's a, it's a camera, but instead of like the 60Ds, well, sorry, the Canon DSLRs, which in my opinion were cameras which could be used for video, yeah. video I find these are like these cameras that's, that Sony and Panasonic are bringing out are video cameras which can be mm. used for photography. I mean, they're, they're beautiful photography cameras, but m- the majority of people buying them are buying them as video cameras. So it's it's really small. I wish I, I wish I brought it down to the shop. It's really small, 
compared to my DSLR. It does have interchangeable lenses, but the actual sensor size is the same as the yeah. Canon. Right. So yeah. In regards to um, <clears throat> the how how in regards to low light, that's what I was looking for. In regards yeah. to low light, it does really well, which is one of the things that I was looking at yeah. because my shop, while it's it's lit pretty well, it's definitely not a studio in here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. cool. The only other thing that I wanted to mention for 2018 is that I'm, I have to, I have to start renovating my house upstairs. Uh -oh. um, now that the workshop's been built, I can't just let the place fall apart. It's going to be very easy. Um, so in regards to the, the content that I'm, I'm going to be putting out, I think there's going to be a shift back to what my channel originally started with, right. which was DIY and, and, yeah. and um, home renovation. So the outside of the shop needs to be clad and weatherboard. The bathroom needs to be completely redone. Um, there's just so much stuff upstairs, which I'm super excited about. But I've just got to I've got to drag myself away from the workshop and say, right, you, you can't be in there for a couple of weeks. Do something upstairs. But yeah, mm -hmm. 2018, it's got to happen. Cool. Jeez, it's a lot of work. Yeah, all the good <laughs> stuff. So let's move on to uh, what we did. Uh, we'll move on to the questions. What we did this week is we put out um, onto social media to see if anyone had any questions um, for us. So we've just I've picked a couple of the best ones. Um, what I want to do is start off with a question from Victoria, who is in the chat. She uh, dropped a question earlier where she said, this is for all of you, but Joey, you have a lifetime warranty on your pieces. How much did you work on the verbiage for it yeah oh, the guarantee. okay and did you get help from a lawyer okay interesting question so i'll try and be quick um when i had my building company i had just about no small print on my contracts ran into a few very quick the early problems with clients and went straight to a lawyer and we had uh, terms and conditions drawn up I had five pages of small print and that's the smallest amount you can get. They tell me and actually put a lot of people off. People would be like, what are you making me sign to? This is like, you know, who's going to read this? And I didn't even read it. I couldn't, couldn't get through the first page of it. Um, so when I started I shifted over into furniture making, I knew I wanted to have some kind of warranty guarantee. And certainly here in New Zealand, there's a thing called the Consumer Guarantees Act where you have, if you make something, it has to be fit for purpose. And so with something like, um, well, let's say as a builder, I believe it's a minimum of 10 years your workmanship is guaranteed for. So you, you, you're automatically already up for 10 years. So, you know, you, you can't, you're not allowed to contract out of that. Um, so you're already... You know, I'm used to having my name on my my workmanship. Um, and so then when I thought about it from a furniture point of view, uh, as long as it's being treated like a regular dining table, it just sits there. There's no reason that it's going to just fall apart. It's not um, going to jump out and attack someone. That's right. So I'm more than happy to say, well, I actually used to say this, that your furniture is guaranteed as long as you are. So... You know, if, if you're alive, the piece of furniture is going to be alive. Um, and there's no reason for it to break. So I actually have now no small print other than guaranteed for life. But what um, about things like wearing furniture? Sorry. <laughs> what about things like wear and tear? I mean, if they go stick the, or is, is that a case of if this um, dining, if this table well, it's was pretty made obvious that it's not my fault that you right. smashed your knife into the top of the tabletop. <laughs> But something like we talked about in one of the earlier episodes about outdoor furniture. Mm -hmm. Now, surely you've got to have, you can't guarantee an, a piece I, of outdoor furniture because the finish yeah. will fail eventually. Mm. Uh, yeah, so the finish will fail. Um, my, my, so I, I made an exception for those latest outdoor pieces. Um, that I, can't, I didn't even say it as a guarantee. It was just in an email where I said, um, these are going to last for 20 years minimum. Mm. Um, and the finish is not up to me. I reiterated to the clients, you need to oil it this summer 
and in six months time and then every other spare moment you feel like you've got nothing to do you should be oiling your furniture <laughs> um that's how money if you want to stay looking like that so we talked about that a lot uh so they've got 20 years on that um the epoxy might start breaking down in 20 years the aroco won't so mm-hmm. there's no way that's gonna fall apart um I've so, thought yeah, of something. I've, I've thought of something similar to this with the chopping boards that I've recently done. Um, not so much about a warranty, but more from a a chopping board. You are preparing food on it. Now, if I sell a chopping board to someone and they get sick, I mean, or, or not even necessarily that. Like, should I have some kind of print to say that don't worry, everything on this, you know, I haven't used epoxy on the top surface or you know, I haven't sprayed this with chemicals. I asked you guys the other day about mobile decking. Does it have any treatment in it? Because I want to know when I sell this board that I'm not going to inadvertently give someone arsenic poisoning or something. Mm. I guess I, I would just have a, a sticker saying food safe material. Yeah. But there's but nothing. I, I have a, a handout which I give out with every one of my boards, which is stating like proper care instructions so if they don't abide those instructions obviously if they take an ingrain chopping board and put it in the washing uh, dishwasher and it falls to bits like that's not my fault Mm. i've got it written down there like it's on the official care instructions um but as far as like glues and guaranteeing it's food safe i just i know it's food safe i state it's food safe Mm. and i can link them to the um, msds of the type on three glue as well so in terms of lawsuits, you're not you're not concerned, like because I guess as you said, Joey, it, if it's fit for purpose, mm. that's the law, and that's all you've got to worry about. I guess that's why we have product liability insurance as well. Yeah, right. I, I just you know, I'm I'm not. If I will definitely, and I have done. If if, if something I made breaks or it's my fault, I'll just fix it. Yeah, and I'm just honest that way, and um. It's only on the very expensive jobs where I start writing a couple of things in or just making sure that everyone is okay with how this is finished or, you know, once once you start getting over kind of $8,000 and you start thinking, okay, if this all goes to shit, uh, I can't actually afford to fix this at this point. So mm. we need to start really thinking about what's happening, you know, how how is this going to can I fix things? If, if, is this likely to wear out? You know, um, and and so you're that, not worried about it causing someone personal injury. Is that just not even no, that doesn't even well, come? How can it? I mean, well, if uh, someone if someone trips over your table and yeah. breaks their leg in a hundred places and then blames yeah. you, now obviously that's a that's so a far fetched thing. But is that, <laughs> is is that is that not something that someone in your situation should be concerned about? Because that's just not. It's the, it's the same as. On my on my um, front fence, I have to put a sticker up to say "Beware of the dog" because if someone comes into my yard and gets attacked by my dog, it's my fault, which is stupid. But we've but got to think about that. I don't know the law think, enough to really talk about this, but no. the purpose is probably the best way to sum it up, in my opinion. And that if I made a chair and somebody sat on it and the leg splintered and they fell through and got skewered onto the leg. That's probably because of my poor choice of timber grain direction and size of timbers. Um, but then again, if that person is 700 kilos, um, then that chair is not fit for purpose for that person. Mm. So there's um, a 50-50 kind of responsibility to a point. I see Ian in the chat has just said, in New Zealand, ACC covers that. ACC covers the medical bills, <laughs> not the not the. They won't um, take it, they won't take care of my court case. Oh yeah, the court fees. Yeah, that's, so you yeah. have a court case. I'll come over and I'll represent you. <laughs> well, we'll film the shop store podcast from the courtroom. I'm not a lawyer, um, but I have watched a lot of House. Wait, no, it's yeah, medical. Yeah. Oh man, I am House at the moment. Yes, <laughs> I just every night I watch it. It's the most amazing show ever. Yeah. Okay. Probably Lucas. So, another question from the chat. Leroy, Joey, how is your birch ply walnut bathroom floor going? Perfect. Stop asking about it. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it sounds like people are a bit dubious about it. I've got some flack on recently. There's a guy on uh, YouTube um, 
told me all about how much it was a terrible idea and he's been building for 20 years and he only ever pulls shitty, um, you know, waterlogged timber flooring out of bathrooms. And um, there's a point where someone's opinion is their opinion. And whenever, and they're free to express that opinion on the comment section. But whenever I say it's it's very obvious that I can't change their opinion because that's their opinion. And if my opinion differs, then we agree to disagree and there's no point in me replying. I guess all I can say to to sum it up is that in my experience, I've been building since I was 16. I was a builder for seven years. I too ripped out a lot of rotten wooden timber floors. Just about all of it, from what I could tell, was from the people who lived in there not knowing or caring about what they were doing and splashing water around. They'd not even think about it. I know exactly what water can do and that I shouldn't just pour a bucket of water on the floor and let it sit there. So I'm going to take care of my floor. Um, And I took all the precautions I thought practical to keep my floor looking good. And that, that's about all I can say is that it's my risk. I can do what I like. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I can say much more than that. Have you been responding to that person? Like, was there a bit of a conversation uh, going on? No, it? One of, uh, well, there was a few, but one of them I just deleted outright because I, the tone of it just, mm. I couldn't, there was no way to respond without sand, sounding um, bad myself. And, I felt that the tone of the comment was just not worth the conversation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think it is interesting about that changing people's minds. Yeah. At some point you just got to say is what it is. I find um, with a lot of the, the negative comments that I get, I'll often just agree with the person. I won't agree with them as if to say sort of you're You're absolutely right. And that's it because they'll give me a, a, a hundred per a hundred word essay about why I'm wrong. Yeah. And all I'm going to say is, yep, you're right. Cause that's yeah. all they're after. They're not trying to educate people. They're not trying to change your mind. They just want to shout that they are, that I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, that's so exactly what, what I mean by that's their opinion. They want, that's fine. But like sometimes mm-hmm. it's not, it's not even worth saying your opinion because it's your opinion. Like, yeah, yeah. There's no point saying it because you can say whatever you like. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I usually just let it fizzle out by itself because yeah. people will jump in on the comments and then argue your case and then someone yeah. else will argue their case. And then you got like 1,500 comments. And I was like, wow, that's going to go good for the. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Really like there we go. <laughs> What I, the, what I have done now with one of my videos is I've actually recorded a response to uh, when I'm when I made my concrete countertop because that's the, the most popular video I didn't use gloves so I was working with concrete without okay. gloves and technically it's wrong I know but I've always used concrete without gloves and then I, my hands are still on and they're fine and I routinely get their comments about the gloves a few times a week so I just recorded a video where I talk to the person and say blah 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 this is what happens blah, blah. Yeah. so now whenever someone leaves me a comment I just point them straight to the video yeah. and then it's just got so much hate because it's all the people getting forwarded to it <laughs> but it's just like I'm so tired of answering this so yeah I just made a video funny. yeah good I like it and it was I kind of made it in a in a way and when I uh sent it out it was sort of a if you use concrete in one of your YouTube videos and you constantly get you know, hammered by that, the, you know, that, that um, comment, feel free to use my video. It's there for you. Go for it. <laughs> All right. So uh, another question, we've got one here from Ben McCampbell. He's been on the show before. I'm not sure if he's in tonight. He said, I'd love to know what you guys use for outfeed tables. He's recently got himself a, a very fancy new table. So I'm a bit jealous. What designer materials work best? I'm thinking cupboards underneath form ply top and sitting on casters. Any tips? Jordan, go. Okay. Uh, well, my floor is a panel saw with a massive outfeed table built in. So currently I don't have anything. Is it attached uh, to the saw? Yeah, it's all, all in one. That's great. That's uh, awesome. On my last say a conventional table saw. I just used MDF and a pine frame, which I kind of 
you know, join together and that works fine. But honestly, it's an outfit table. As long as it is there to support the material, you've got cutouts for your mitre bar and it's not higher than your in-feed, you should be fine. Um, uh, he's talking specifically about a sliding table saw, presumably a sliding panel saw. No, no, no. It's just, it's a normal, I think it's a normal saw. Oh, it's a double check. I know. I don't think it is. Yeah. I mean, take, uh, take the longest piece of material you think you're going to cut and then lay it so you find the center of gravity and where it just Mm. wants to tip over. And that should be kind of a good guide of where you want the, you know, the diff, yeah, the length from the end of the outfit table to the blade. Mm. And then add maybe 150, 200 mil to allow for you to push past the blade and you won't have any problems. I've had them from, uh, let's say, 600 mil deep and that was plenty. And I've also had them almost a 1200 by 1200 sheet with cupboards underneath and that worked great. I don't think it really matters. I mean, look at Matt Cremona. He's just got a, <laughs> a, a really twisted slab on a couple of saw horses and that's what he's using. <laughs> That's that's my kind of outfit table. Yeah, like if it works, it works. I'll just I just say stay away from those roller stands because they just cause more hassle than they're worth. <laughs> Ro- just roller stands. That's the the sort of the with a wheel of the wheel. Oh, I hate okay. it. I've thrown that thing across the room so many times. That's all I have at the moment is two of those. Oh, man, they're shocked. Get rid of them. They're terrible. I can't. That's what I was going to say. I can't, I have yet to come up, or if someone has the design, please get it to me. When you have a sliding table saw, the arm of the slider Hits gets in. In, the, in the way of where the table needs to sit. And I, I can't figure out a good design. And so at the moment, I'm just swearing at my roller stands. On the Altendorf, so my last saw, mm. I had to make this thing and I kind of made it a T shape. So I put a bar, mm. I put a bar Oh, I should say a board on the edge of the table, which I could clamp onto the actual table itself because I had a bit mm-hmm. of overhang. And then the base was just a T-shaped base. So like the, the arm could swing in and out. And then yeah. on the other side, I had somewhere to kind of store a cubby of um, like blades and whatnot. That is definitely a goal for me for 2018 is actually getting some kind of outfit something. <laughs> But I just had a look at this table. Is it's a nor it's not a sliding table. It's just a normal, just normal a table. Oh, just a box, man. Plywood box. Yeah. <laughs> the I've seen like if you got a space issue, there is good flip down ones as mm. well, where you just like you put attach a cleat onto the saw and then a couple of heavy duty hinges, and then you can lift it up, drop the legs down, and there you go. But didn't yeah. you make something like that, John? Probably. I'm pretty sure some of the you make something like that. <laughs> I've had a lot of things. <laughs> I don't really remember. It does Why sound. Did you get rid of your Allendorf? Hey? Why did you get rid of your Allendorf? It was a fixed ninety degree arbor, so oh. I had to have two saws to do what one saw would do. Yeah. I won't call it a waste of time. It's good if you only cut ninety degree. <laughs> it's bloody rigid. Yeah, a bit. You've just had a comment from Cuffy saying cantilever the outfeed so it clears the arm. Yeah. Can do that. No, it well, just takes more time to build it. Timothy Wilmot, yeah. um, Victoria suggested check out Timmy, Timothy Wilmot's video because he's got a cool outfit table. Timothy. And it is. It's got a. It's got a drop hole for scraps. <laughs> oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. Stuart says can't agree more. Ari roller bars spawn of Satan. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I would outlaw them if I could. But actually, really useful on my bandsaw for doing ripping. No, and I use them. Been on my uh, drill press for holding up uh, big tables, uh, big doors when I'm drilling hinges. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. We've got two more to get through. Um, yeah, we should have enough time. So, Jerry Demaray, Demaray, I think that's how you said. Joey, I was wondering if your business has changed since you started making videos. Do you find it has helped you get more business or attract new customers? Does the video making eat up a lot of your time? Okay, like 10 questions there. Um, (laughs) Yes. My business has changed, yes, I suppose, only in that I think about whenever a job comes in, I'm like, cool, 
is it going to be a video? And ideally they will be because that way I can make a little bit of money from two sources. Um, so yeah, in that sense, um, uh, making videos for me, a lot of people talk about how long it takes for, uh, to film. And maybe that's just because my cinematography is terrible. I don't know, but, uh, I really, I mean, it does add some time, but for me, it literally is like pull the cam, pull the tripod over, make sure it's somewhat in focus and hit record. And that takes less than 30 seconds per shot. So for me, that is not a big time waste. Um, and editing as well. People seem to go on about editing taking eight hours or something. Like I will, like that that last video I put out about the uh, outdoor sofa probably took two and a half hours to edit. Um, so I don't, I just don't understand why people, why it takes so long. Maybe it's because you've got too many tools. You just need a really basic editing software that can only do three things. Because <laughs> every time so, we try, try and make a cut, we have to Google, where is the cut tool? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for anyone listening who's doing YouTube or wanting to do YouTube, that what Joey said is, is a perfect example of content is always king. So mm-hmm. you can have the crappiest camera, the most basic setup, just do voiceover. As long as the content you're making is good, you might be getting the numbers that Joey's doing. So yeah, that I guess that's what it comes down to. So, you know, maybe Jordan and I spend a lot more time with the video mm-hmm. because we want it to be something else, whereas Joey's just filming what he's yeah. making. Uh, I would love so actually, have to we'll have to do this on another, another topic, but I would love you guys to critique the hell out of my videos because I don't know what hell anyone else is seeing. I just know that I've watched that video 20 times and it's time to push export because I my, can't be bothered watching it again. My, my only critique is the host. Terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. I actually thought of that as a topic and I, when it came around to my turn, I was going to mention that. Let's okay. do a, an episode where we just – we just critique each other's channels. It's, I think it would yeah, be very interesting. That's a good idea. I like that <laughs> idea. Okay. Cool. All right. And then last question, we've got Henley, Henley Don. Uh, I'd like to see, and this is going to be a nice technical question. I'd like to see how you'd set up a trench cut on a mitre saw. I'm planning some trench cuts about 12 millimeters deep across an 80 millimeter board. And the trench will be at an angle of 120, oh, sorry, of 12 degrees. I've seen Joey do it in a video, but didn't see how the saw was set up for the trench. Oh, okay. So I assume by by trench, he means like, I guess what we'd call a dado, Um, you know, just Mm -hmm. a groove, a wide groove. Um, On a miter saw, I assume he means like a a compound miter saw. So yes, I've done that a lot. And my Festool and my Makita before that, both had have depth depth stops, which is probably the only way you can do it on a a miter saw. I think. Yeah, um, my my Bosch and my AEG had the same. Yeah, so it must be a fairly common feature. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the only piece of advice I can give, I mean, essentially, you just set your saw up, put it on to twelve degrees, set your depth, with a couple of test cuts. Um, there's two things. The there's always a little bit of flex in the depth stop. The, the saw always flexes a little bit more than mm. it's meant to stop. So keep that in mind. And secondly, I, you always need to put a piece of scrap behind the piece you're cutting to bring the workpiece away from the fence to allow for the curvature of the blade. Yeah. You want the, the bottommost part of the blade to reach the entirety of your piece you're cutting, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, because otherwise you'll get this upward swoop at the back of the groove yeah. and it, nothing will fit. So and Yeah, well, you have to. it makes it much harder to clean it with a yeah. chisel because you don't have a reference point. Um, Some saws have, are better than others. Like, mm. as a, I know the, so I have the glide saw from Bosch and that, it's not perfect. <laughs> you still need to space it out, but generally like a 25 mil spacer will do it. But my my saw before that, I would have to put almost 100 mil if I wanted a dead flat cut. Yeah, right. So it's it's something, set the depth, and then maybe run that saw in and out and just see how much of a gap you've got from the bottom of that blade to the fence. Mm. That's the most vital. Mm, So would you guys say then that you 
can you would make dados or trenches with that, or, or is is that yep. table saw? That's not the job for the. I do it, I do it with both. I mean, yep. ninety degree ones will be on the panel saw. It's just so much easier and more accurate. But if it's something where I don't feel like changing the fence angle of my my sliding saw, I'll just take it to the miter saw, clear it out, and then with my uh, whatever they call router plane, flatten it out. It's easy. Mm. Yeah, I would. Yep. I tended to always go for the my miter saw. But I think now, certainly once my dado blade set comes in, I'll be yeah. just about 100% on the panel saw. I think it's very much like, are you a tradesman? Because mm. on the miter saw, 99% of tradesmen would go straight to the miter saw because it's just the way they do it. And then if you're like, you're brought up in a factory, uh, a furniture factory, you'd probably go to the, probably not a panel saw, you'd probably have a spindle molder to do it, but... Yeah you know, a, a static machine. Mm. Yeah, well, I almost bought myself a sliding miter saw. And I remember when I was standing in the store thinking, now oh, I'll never use one of these. And I'm <laughs> so sorry to this day that I, because I've got a nice DeWalt, you know, it's a pretty good saw. I oh, just yeah, spend a little more money. Fixed, I'd be able to make, yeah. It's fixed, yeah. I'd be able mm. to make dados and it without having a table saw, it's, you know, it would have been such a cool thing. So, if you're thinking of buying a miter saw, spend the extra money, make it a sliding so you don't You've have to get a router, time. Don't you, Robin? Yeah, which is what I use now. Um, that's you what just I have use. a little jig to, to clamp yeah. to, to make straight lines. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I use that as well a lot because often it's easier just to do one pass with the right size bit yeah. than to go and chisel out things and stuff around. But at a 12 degree angle like this question, you just about, it's either going to, well, yeah, but. It's difficult, but you can do it on a on a minor saw. It's a little more tricky because mm. the bottom, depending on the bottom, it's not at the bottom's going to be square to the blade, not to the piece of wood you're working on. That makes any sense? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's let's leave it there with the questions. I think that's some fairly interesting ones. The the um, the one about the lawsuit type of thing, that's interesting. I've never really, never really <laughs> yeah, thought about right. that. We should not give advice on law. That's all no. I'd say. <laughs> Anything <laughs> you hear on this podcast, take with a pinch of salt. Um, because yeah. I think yeah, like, if you steal something and it's yours, then it's not stolen anymore, right? That's the law. That is, according to all the, the Jay-Z all the and G-Unit yeah, yeah. albums I've listened to. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about what we're watching. Um, I'll start off. This morning, um, Paul Jenkins, the Wood Knight, put out a video, which he's been posting about on Instagram for a while, which is very cool. It's a, um, he's titled it a studio video camera stand. So basically it's a, uh, a tripod, but on a uh, base with casters and the footprint of it is a lot smaller. I've been wanting to do one of these for ages because I think it's such a good idea. You know, I've got the traditional tripod, which I'm constantly smashing into everything when I'm trying to move it around the shop. You just take a post, put it on a small base filled with concrete, so it's bottom heavy. He's got a very cool video about it, and he sort of made the arm that extends is very similar to an R-beam, so it's, mm. it was quite an interesting construction. Anyway, um, yeah, Paul Jenkins, studio video camera stand. You put it out this morning. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, we'll have uh, links yeah. in the description below. I, I saw it on Instagram, and I think my only point was, for me, I would much rather lift my tripod, which weighs less than a kilo, and I can just throw it around. It doesn't matter if it smashes into my bench mm. or roll around a giant block of concrete and, and get stuck on. a cord or yeah, get hit on scraps of wood and yeah. stuff. Like uh, to me, it's way more hassle. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it obviously absolutely has its pros and cons. Um, I like John Heiss's method where he has it on the roof. Obviously, it wouldn't work in this mm. size factory, but he has that track mm. and it just slides back and forth. Yeah, that if anything, that's what I'd love to do. Obviously, yeah. it's not practical in this shop. I said the drone operator fly all day long in your workshop. Yeah, that's the shot that is going on next year's goals, writing it down. <laughs> I see uh, Paul's in the chat as well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was, I think it's a, it's a really cool design. So, the only other thing as well that I'd change, which I think you mentioned in the video, is making it three wheel as opposed to four because oh, yeah. this, this slab is my slab's about 50 years old so there is yeah. no such thing as flat in my shop no. all right uh, 
Joey, what do you, um, you just happened to see this morning? Ishitani furniture um, making a computer desk. Typically mm. awesome, but interesting. He has a domino and he used his domino. What? Which I thought, yeah, yeah. Oh my which God. I thought was interesting. I kind of like dropped my pen. You got <laughs> to warn me against these spoilers. So, okay, do you want the next spoiler? Yeah. <laughs> Pocket hole screws. No. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Un- unsubscribe. That's it. Yeah. It was so funny. Yeah. Oh he really over. It was, this is just to join a, a, a mitre on a desktop. And he dominoed it, pocket screwed it, and then put butterflies in the top. It's, it's funny in the <laughs> chat, everyone's coming up. With, everyone's coming up with he used pocket holes. So clearly he's going to yeah. have a bit of a few comments about that in the video, I'm guessing. I was surprised he had any kind of a jig to, to drill a pocket hole, let this alone. Is, this is in my um, watch later playlist. And now yeah. I'm heartbroken. <laughs> anyway, awesome video, but that, I don't even care that he used all that stuff. That doesn't bother me, but I just thought it was interesting that he broke it out yeah, yeah. for a very simple join. <laughs> Last thing you'd expect to see. Jordan, what have you um, been watching? I've not been watching much. I've really been out and about more than anything, but I mm. will give a shout out to Cuffy's Woodshop or Workshop, I think it is. Mm. Uh, just, yeah, he's doing a video a day and I've been enjoying it all. So we were cool. speaking about it earlier. So I yeah. better throw it in officially. Other than that, <laughs> yeah. I've not been doing much um, watching of anything. I've just been out enjoying the sun. Cool. Good cool. stuff. Yeah, it has been Christmas, so I guess yeah. that's the idea. That's All right, everybody. Well, thanks for a good show. Uh, we'll be back, obviously, again same time next week. Well, next, will that be that'll it's be twenty eighteen? Won't it? That will yeah, be twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, Thursday the fourth. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, yeah, you know, we will do another show next week because it's just a normal Thursday. All the long weekends and holidays are over. Um, so thanks everyone so much for getting on board and 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 getting involved in the chat. We really do appreciate it. George, Joey, is there anything you guys want to mention before we head off? No, I'm um, all good. Be safe. Have a cool. good New Year. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good one to mention. I hope everyone has a really good oh, New yeah. Year's Eve celebration. And thanks again for watching and listening. We will see you guys next week.